all the research uh, working with the more objective parameters are trying to explain better uh, uh, the mechanisms underlying the yoga nidra positive effects. Ciao, everyone. Welcome to yet another week with Alex and Drew here at the Mops and Mo's podcast. Uh, the reason I'm introducing uh, this episode in Italian, Alex, is because today's guest comes all the way from Italy. Who are we talking to this week? Before I do this introduction, I'm just going to apologize in advance to anyone who speaks Italian or knows anything about the accent. I'm not even going to try. Anyone who's been anyone who's been near a pizza or a plate of spaghetti, Alex is sorry for how he's about to pronounce everything. There's word. a lot of words in here that I'm going to mess up pretty bad. So we've got Selenia DiFranco. She's a PhD researcher affiliated with the Department of Medicine and Aging Sciences within the Behavioral Imaging and Neurodynamics Center at University G. Danuzio of Chieta Pescara in Chieta, wow. Italy. Wow. Who knows how that went? Somebody will correct <laughs> me later. She focuses on sports psychology, including things like mental imagery, stress management, mindfulness, that whole realm. Uh, English is not her first language, but it is infinitely better than either of our Italian. So we're going to stick Case to that point. episode. <laughs> Alex's introduction. I already apologized. So we're going <laughs> to keep moving. Uh, also, it's worth noting that this is an opinion piece that they've written here, um, but it is a heavily cited opinion piece that if you want to nerd out, it points the readers towards a lot of other research, uh, some of which we will link in the show notes because there's a few specific pieces that are very relevant. Um, she's primarily calling for greater investigation of how yoga nidra could be applied in athletic contexts. And I think we can stretch that a little bit to the tactical realm. And I'm sure some people, as you listen to this, are going to be interested in trying it out. Uh, for those people, we're also planning to release a recorded guided session that she's preparing for us as well. And the show notes will include some other resources, including some guided sessions that the VA makes available, actually. Yeah, so yoga nidra effectively means yoga sleep. And I guess the best way to explain it for you know, coming from someone who's never done it, but is now incredibly interested in it, having had this conversation, it's it's sort of hovering hovering in a conscious state between being awake and, and falling asleep, somewhat hypnotically. Uh, and, and the case to be made here in Selenia's work is that there's a lot of application to, um, you know, the athletic environment, whether that's, I hate to use the word hacking, but whether that's like hacking your nap so that you can get a more, robust result you know we talk about an hour of yoga nidra being equivalent to four hours of of napping which is kind of huge uh but just i think a lot to take away from an area of of yoga broadly but more specifically this kind of niche subsection of yoga there's a lot to take away for folks that haven't maybe been exposed to it before and so as Alex mentioned, we'll we'll link the opinion piece in the show notes. We will have the uh, the guided meditation that she'll provide for us, and then really, if you if you just kind of give it a Google, you'll find a lot of resources out there that I think will be available and helpful to folks that walk away from this one kind of curious about what this what this practice actually looks like. So some some interesting stuff here. Yoga Nidra, frankly, was new to me when we started preparing for this episode. Um, very much in the the mindfulness mindset mental performance side of this whole thing 
recovery and sleep as well. So that's the direction we're going with this episode. Enjoy. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, we just wanted to give a really quick plug for the recently launched long and strong program on Mops and Moses Train Heroic account. So if you follow Mops and Moes on Instagram, or if you go to our website, you will find links taking you to where you can sign up for Long and Strong. This is an ongoing sort of team-based program. For the next couple of weeks before September kicks off, we're doing a discount sign-up rate at $20. So if you sign up now using the links that I just mentioned, $20 after the beginning of September, once the program goes live, it'll increase to $30 a month. So take advantage of it now. You probably aren't surprised to know this will be a concurrent training type of program. There will be some classic barbell strength work. There will be some polarized endurance training, some intense supersets, some work capacity type of sessions. It's designed as one workout a day, six days per week, one of those being active recovery. And I, for one, am beta testing it as we speak, trying to balance it with a lot of mountain biking and hiking and things like that. Working pretty well. I'm certainly enjoying the flexibility of it. I usually move my active recovery day to Wednesday instead of Thursday because I do a long bike ride on Sunday. It's got the flexibility to adapt to whatever else you're doing. I think you guys really enjoy it. And yes, there will be leg tucks. So like we said, follow the links on Instagram, head over to the website, sign up now. Programming will not start until the 1st of September, but you can get in at the $20 rate. Until then, once September kicks off, it will be $30 a month. because um, I have no clue, but can you explain yoga nidra? Nidra. Nidra. Yes. Nidra. What, what, because when I hear yoga, when I hear the word yoga, I think of like down dog and sun salutations and namaste. And this is a little bit different. Different. Yes, of course. So what is it? So yoga nidra, it's part of the yoga techniques. As you may already know, indeed, uh, yoga is an ancient practice, uh, holistic practice, which benefits both mind and body. And that can vary in, in its style because there are more uh, physical uh, yoga styles like Hatha Yoga or Ashtanga Yoga, uh, which, for example, benefit strength uh, or balance in participants or more meditation-based practice like yoga nidra, literally yoga sleep. So this is uh, basically an easily uh, born meditation uh, practice, which was born more precisely in 1976 as a technique uh, to be practiced by everyone, uh, regardless of their uh, previous uh, experience. And... Uh, it generally induces, while it is executed uh, in a supine position, a kind of uh, hypnagogic state. So a thin line uh, between waking and sleeping uh, where our mind and our body is more sensitive to positive changes. So there is this kind of uh, hypnagogic state which is induced by this uh, kind of yoga where uh, the individual is uh, physiologically asleep, asleep, yet maintains uh, a certain uh, awareness 
to follow the guide's instructions. And uh, it has been related to different uh, uh, improvement in uh, sleep parameters, like uh, sleep onset latency. So for example, uh, the, the, the time which intercourse uh, uh between when we go to bed and the real onset of uh, sleep or sleep quality in general and this is the reason why it is frequently used in uh, sleep lab uh, protocols and it has been uh, used with different uh, population with elderly with uh, war veterans uh, with adolescents and so on uh, because it is also useful uh, for uh, physical and mental relaxation because uh, it is characterized by different exercises uh, like uh, guided body awareness exercises, breathing exercises or visualization exercises uh, which stimulates the hypnagogic states or cognitive restructuring processes exercises. So it is a kind of conscious sleep, which is one of the features which mainly differentiates this kind of yoga from the other practice and other meditation-based practices like body scan or transcendental meditation, which are more considered as aware-awake states. And one of the other core components uh, which characterized uh, this uh, yoga, I was mentioning you this aspect before, um, is uh, the Sankalpa, which uh, uh, stimulates the uh, cognitive restructuring processes. What is this uh, Sankalpa basically? Is a short positive sentence, so an intention that we have, which is generally repeated, uh, repeated uh, uh, in the beginning and in the end of a yoga nidra session, which is able to uh, reframe our way of thinking. So it is able to change our negative to positive thinking. This is basically oh. yoga nidra and uh, these main characteristics uh, can lead you to think how it is uh, and why it is so important with different populations. So you you touched on this already while explaining it, but when we think about like more traditional forms of meditation and progressive muscle relaxation, you mentioned body scan and things like that. You said the core difference here is that it's aware asleep rather than aware awake. So I have I have a really simple, possibly stupid question. <laughs> how how often do people just actually fall asleep during yoga nidra? And is that a problem or not? <laughs> Yeah, of course, uh, it is possible that people fall asleep, uh, especially during the first times. Uh, but uh, with uh, the practice uh, and, uh, of course, uh, 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 an instructor with uh, theoretical and practical knowledge, uh, it could not happen. And if it happens, especially during the first times, of course, people need that time, of course. The, okay, okay, so... This... <laughs> This brings up a question because I have been in, I'll call it like a traditional yoga class where, you know, at the end, everyone's sort of laying there and then the teacher will come around and put like a rag on your face or something. And 
sometimes you'll hear somebody snoring in the corner Yeah, because of course. they, they've fallen asleep. It always happens. Yes, So, it always so happens. with yoga nidra, like, can it be conducted in a class environment or is it best to be done one-on-one -on -one, or is it even better to do it sort of on your own, non-guided? Because I'm, I'm envisioning, a, you know, a yoga nidra teacher kind of walking around a group class, like kicking people that are falling asleep and trying to bring them back into this conscious state. Of course, uh, every other uh, yoga courses uh, uh, can be practiced uh, all together. But uh, for research purposes, for example, uh, we are using uh, uh, the one-to-one -one, uh, uh, situation. And uh, we are also using a pre-recorded uh, uh, yoga track so that everyone can practice it, uh, for example, before going to sleep, uh, which is the best time to practice it. Uh, or uh, whenever they prefer. Also, for example, uh, thinking about uh, athletes uh, when they have to reach competition venues. Uh, um, so um, profiting of uh, the, that time, for example. I have some tips uh, to not fall asleep also. For example, uh, uh, starters uh, have not to um, exceed for the first times uh, the 30 the 45 minutes, I will say, uh, because instead of maintaining that thin line between waking and sleep, um, they could fall completely asleep. And after these 45 minutes, it is quite no normal. And then it will be um, necessary five or four uh, cycle, also six uh, uh, of proper sleep uh, to properly recover. So 45 minutes just to start and then uh, uh, go on with more minutes because generally one yoga nidra session lasts about one hour. But for example, you are using it with uh, athletes and time is a scarce resource uh, in in the sport venues so we are also using uh, 15 20 25 minutes of uh, temporal adaptation and it will still guarantee uh, physical and uh, mental uh, relaxation and rejuvenation so, so a lot of a lot of the questions that come to mind for me i'm thinking of this through the lens of somebody who might be listening and thinking okay like it sounds like this is a tool that i can put into my toolbox for a lot of the things you mentioned, better sleep, you know, better cognitive function, mindfulness. So is, is, is this the type of thing, like, how do you know, I guess my first question is like, how do you know that you've, you're, you're in this state? Because I'm, I'm just kind of thinking of where I am in those moments before you fall asleep. And like, that's a weird, it's like a weird, it's a weird place. So how do you know that you're, you're like, okay, cool. I, I'm, I'm here. I'm in the place I need to be. And I'm going to execute this, this session for 45 minutes. And then, you know, I'm assuming either fall asleep or, or so wake back up. Basically is, uh, all we use for research purposes uh, is based on, uh, literature. So um, temporal adaptation are based on uh, what other uh, researches and other researchers uh, have found. Uh, the 45 minutes are based on uh, experiences of other uh, uh, field uh, in the other fields uh, because we are working a lot with athletes, but it is a practice that uh, it is largely used in other uh, 
populations. Uh, and we also know this because generally there is a kind of stimulation with this uh, practice in particular of the parasympathetic uh, dominance. So there is a stimulation of our vagus nerve, which in turn triggers uh, um, a, an intense feeling of uh, uh, relaxation, which is generally, especially with uh, within the 45 minutes, uh, related to improvement in uh, um, sleep quality because it stimulates a slow wave sleep. So the slow wave sleep uh, is one of the parameters which improves sleep quality. So basically, this is these are the mechanisms on the basis uh, and why we are more or less certain that uh, we can conduct uh, uh, the 99% with success these uh, sessions. So you talked about Sankalpa already, the intention yeah. portion of a yoga nidra practice. Get, getting ready for the episode, we read a little bit about it and things like that. And there We're are basically pros. Pretty much. There, there are six stages of yoga nidra. Can you walk us through the like the rotation of consciousness, the breath awareness, feelings and emotions, visualizations? Can you explain how the process works beyond just the intention? Of course. So basically, um, these are um, six stages uh, which are not so strict, but uh, the most important thing is that they happen in uh, one yoga nidra session. Uh, of course, the most important uh, stage is the Sankalpa because, uh, as you may have read from uh, um, the opinion uh, paper I wrote together with my colleague and my professor, uh, Maurizio Bertollo, uh, it is repeated uh, twice uh, in the beginning and in the end of the session because in the beginning we, we try to think about it after uh, we... Uh, awaken our uh, uh, body and uh, our uh, feelings uh, uh, throughout uh, um, guided body awareness uh, uh, parts exercises uh, or uh, uh, briefing uh, exercises. Then we try to instill this Sankalpa uh, based on the feelings uh, we are uh, experiencing. So what is our intention right now? Then we try to uh, visualize uh, uh, by means of visualization uh, exercises, uh, functional places uh, for our uh, calm and uh, peace uh, or uh, other places which are functional to our inner peace. And uh, then we repeat this uh, Sankalpa to empower it and uh, consequently our uh, intentions. So stages uh, are not that strict, but the most important thing is that Sankalpa is repeated uh, in the beginning and in the end, of course, because um, we empower it uh, during the practice. For the Sankalpa, the intention is, are there sort of rules or guidelines around what that should look like or is that totally up to the i guess the practitioner to determine what what that is of course uh, it is according to the participants uh, intention of that moment but uh, general rules 
are, uh, for example, uh, settling sentences like I'm calm, I'm relaxed, or I'm successful, for example, uh, with athletes. I recover well because recovery is one of the most important uh, things we are studying uh, with athletes and the reason why we are uh, using uh, this strategy with this population. So there are basic, uh, very, very basic rules, but uh, everything is uh, in accordance to participants' preference for that moment and that period. So then my next question, because this seems like, I mean, it seems like this really cool heightened like state of like this, this heightened state of awareness, like, oh man, I have this, like I mentioned, you know, tool in my toolbox now, like, and I'm thinking of the population that tunes into this and they're going to say, okay, if I can do this, I'm going to do this all the time. I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to do it 15 times a day. Like I'm going to be a superhero. Is there a, is there a point? Like, I guess what I'm getting at is, is there a point at which like you can overdo this and it just becomes not as impactful as it might be like what's the sweet spot for how many times somebody might go after this sort of yoga nidra approach so basically uh like uh, every approach also the medical one it needs consistency also the medical approach if you think about it you cannot take an antibiotic one day and that's it Okay, so practice and the consistent practice is, of course, the key to reach purposes uh, uh, by means of uh, yoga nidra. What we suggest, for example, uh, with uh, athletes is to practice uh, yoga in general, not just uh, yoga nidra, uh, at least once a week uh, to instill in participants uh, the awareness of the yoga benefits in general, to instill the awareness uh, of their requirements, and then also a more fruitful, fruitful uh, use, I will say, of yoga techniques, and in particular, uh, yoga nidra. So it is also this, this topic, this, this aspect, uh, a bit in accordance uh, with uh, athletes or participants in general uh, needs and requirements. Indeed, for example, uh, yoga nidra should be avoided, I will say like this, uh, in people, for example, suffering from uh, hypersomnia problems uh, or uh, problems uh, with alertness uh, during the waking uh, time of the day. Okay, so because, of course, it can be successful and useful in people with uh, insomnia-related issues, but there are also people suffering of uh, the opposite problem. So, for example, I will suggest not to use it. I I hope I I was no that was that that was perfect also and, for your uh, for your question. Well, no, every every answer you give makes me start to think about more questions that people are probably going to have about this. And I know, like Alex and I were talking, I think one of the because of how appealing this sounds, I know that people are going to want to know, like, how do I, how do I start? And so maybe kind of my next question along those lines is like with anything, I would imagine getting into this as a beginner, is it, is it best that somebody seeks out 
more of sort of the open environment that you talked about in your paper or more of a guided environment? And then does that change as you become more experienced? Like I would imagine that somebody like you, who's, I mean, I can only assume like an expert at this, are you better off kind of just doing it on your own or are you better off in a guided environment? Like, what does that journey look like for somebody just getting into somebody who's very efficient at it? So, of course, the general rule is uh, to follow a guided uh, session, especially during the first times. Uh, but then with the experience, uh, uh, of course, we can also tape by ourselves the session. If, for example, we try to broaden our horizon uh, and uh, learn mind-body techniques mm -hmm. for different uh, populations, or uh, use the taped instruction uh, using uh, platforms like uh, YouTube or whatever uh, uh, we want. But uh, for me, in my opinion, the best way to start is to start. <laughs> so if you uh, want to practice uh, it, uh, uh, not in a guided environment, uh, so uh, group lesson. And if you want to start, it will be uh, probably the case that you need it. So if you start, probably then you will uh, uh, instill in yourself the awareness of what you need and uh, will be more consistent uh, with the practice. I mean, is this something that can be done like a, a session, like, is that something that you can do just sort of in the middle of the day, almost like you would, you know, take a nap maybe in the middle of the day, or is it something that you need to do and then immediately kind of follow it with a full night of sleep, if that makes sense? So we are using it uh, with the athletes uh, immediately before going to sleep. But of course, uh, what we suggest, for example, in our opinion paper is to use it uh, also instead of traditional uh, naps. So of course, it can be uh, a nice uh, a way to uh, to counteract uh, sleep uh, debts and uh, challenges, uh, of course. Also because, uh, as I was mentioning you before, uh, uh, sessions uh, last about one hour, also with the super experienced practitioner, one hour and a half. But of course, uh, there is the temporal adaptation, uh, which will still guarantee uh, physical and mental relaxation and uh, rejuvenation. So we can use uh, the 20 minutes uh, uh, yoga nidra session uh, for naps to uh, to use it uh, instead of traditional ones. So, of course, uh, it can be used also during the day because naps are not uh, uh, something uh, which happens before going to sleep. Well, and, and one of the things that, and we may dive into this later, but I know one of the things that stood out to me in your piece that I think came from sort of the original manual on Yoga Nidra was that, uh, I want to get it right, it was like one hour of a session is, is kind of the yes, equivalent to four hours of sleep. I mean, that's like, that in and of itself is like a huge thing. Like what, what backs that up? Is that like a, is that real? Of course, is that real? And uh, it is guaranteed by the fact that uh, the practice, so the stimulation uh, of the parasympathetic uh, nervous system uh, and the high cardiac uh, vagal uh, control can stimulate uh, 
um, slow wave sleep, which are fundamental to guarantee uh, rejuvenating uh, sleep. So of course, that's something uh, real. And that's the reason why um, also an adaptation can guarantee that 20 minutes correspond, for example, to one hour ordinary sleeps or one hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I know I just know like <laughs> when somebody hears that or reads that, they're gonna be like, "Oh, dude, I'm gonna now I only have to sleep for like two hours a night because I did four yoga nidra sessions today, and that's the equivalent of sixteen hours of sleep." Like, I'm I'm ready to go. Yeah, this is the reason why it is frequently, really frequently used in uh, sleep lab uh, um, protocols uh, for different uh, population. Uh, we are using it uh, with athletes because there is still scant research concerning it. Uh, we still don't know why, <laughs> but uh, there is a really scant research with that, but uh, it's frequently used uh, in other populations uh, because it really helps. Also because it also guarantees emotional balance, uh, emotional detachment, uh, so the detachment from uh, from negative thinking uh, because there are cognitive restructuring processes, exercises, uh, um, and so on. Also because um, mind-body techniques in general and the yoga nidra probably in particular are uh, really related and uh, really work with uh, our uh, interoceptive awareness uh, skills. So our uh, capacity to listen our uh, bodily signals, our capacity to appraise them, uh, and to uh, to do something to uh, to work with uh, with them, and these are all components which are uh, related to stress and emotional uh, regulation. So Drew touched on the the sleep one there, and I just want to lay it out a bit because after I read your piece, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole reading other research specifically on the physiological impacts of yoga nidra, and I found a piece. Uh, It came out about a year after the one you published. It's from a Canadian and Indian team. And they spent a lot of time kind of surveying the literature that was already out there on the various physiological benefits of yoga nidra. And I'll, I'll just quote from them real briefly here and then hand it back to you to talk about why some of these are so important. But they found that Uh, And this is a quote, clinical studies have shown that yoga nidra meditation is associated with positive physiological changes, including improvements in several hematological variables. So blood stuff, including red blood cell counts, blood glucose levels, and hormonal status Two neuroimaging studies have shown that yoga nidra produces changes in dopamine release and cerebral blood flow, further confirmation that its effects on the central nervous system are measurable. And the practice has also been shown to reduce psychometrically measured indices of both mild depression and anxiety, although those benefits were not shown experimentally to be as effective for severe depression and severe anxiety. Can you just talk briefly about the the huge range of potential impacts this has? Because we're talking about the athletic setting here, and, and we've talked some mental variables. We've also talked some mental health things and sleep and all that stuff. It seems really broad in the potential benefits here. Yes, of course, uh, literature uh, is focusing and has focused a lot on physiological parameters because it is a way of uh, objectify our uh, results. 
uh, also in our study, for example, uh, we are working uh, with alpha waves or uh, other objective uh, measures related to sleep, uh, like uh, sleep efficiency uh, or uh, sleep latency, uh, waking after sleep onset uh, uh, latency. Uh, and, uh, for example, uh, what we found concerning uh, alpha waves uh, is that uh, this can be related to improvement of recovery skills. So this is one of the other reasons why we are uh, using objective measure, because uh, we are trying to uh, have uh, an objective measure of uh, um, so to try to understand better which are the mechanics that leads to uh, recovery improvement in athletes in our case, or they can also be related to an improvement in the control of stressful situation because sometimes alpha waves can be higher in certain situation, but sometimes then can be also um, lower, but. Uh, uh, in both cases, we noticed uh, an improvement in uh, recovery skills. So sometimes it can be related to a specific mechanism and other times to other specific mechanisms. Researchers that are looking, for example, to hormonal side, uh, for example, uh, tried to investigate better and have objective measure for uh, for example, uh, to better explain uh, the emotional detachment effect of uh, yoga nidra, because um, different researchers uh, have found that uh, there is uh, a decrease of cortisol levels uh, in patients uh, following and individuals in general following yoga nidra sessions, and an increase in uh, dopamine levels, which is uh, basically that hormone uh, which is capable uh, to stimulate positive emotion. And it is this uh, also a kind of uh, way to better explain um, the emotional uh, detachment and emotional balance improvement, which can be explained also by the effects that can have yoga nidra um, on uh, um, sleep quality indexes coming from the actigraphy. Also in our researchers, in our researches, for example, we are using a particular watches which are able to give us a specific index which can objectify uh, our results concerning sleep quality improvement. So all the research uh, working with the more objective parameters are trying to explain better uh, uh, the mechanisms underlying yoga nidra positive effects. So just continuing down that rabbit hole of like other applications of it and things like that, your research pointed me towards the, the iREST page, which shares a bunch of resources. And for anybody who's listening to this, their research tab is a great place to go to find additional research that's been done on this. And the there's a couple that are related to what the military is doing right now. One is looking at uh, yoga nidra as an option for occupational therapy, sleep interventions. And we're in the midst of integrating occupational therapists kind of embedded with organizations now, which is pretty new for their field. And I thought it was neat seeing they sleep is within kind of scope of practice for occupational therapists. And 
there is limited research there. And this, this seems to point to yoga nidra being effective as a clinical intervention for occupational therapy for improving the time people spend asleep after they go through it. Um, I thought that was pretty neat. That one wasn't specifically military, but then the one that I found really interesting is, uh, and this was on the iRest page, a 2010 pain management task force report from the office of the army surgeon general listed yoga nidra as a tier one modality for pain management. And that's not one we've really mentioned before in this discussion. Do you know anything more about yoga nidra for chronic pain? Um, not specifically for chronic pain, pain, but I can tell you that uh, for individuals, we are studying, I repeat it, uh, yoga nidra with athletes, but uh, all the positive effects of yoga nidra can, of course, constitute a kind of a virtuous cycle uh, for uh, participants and practitioners. Why? Because... Uh, I mentioned you uh, several times during this conversation that I can increase uh, objective measure of sleep quality, of course, also the self-assessed uh, sleep quality, uh, but uh, I mentioned you also the emotional balance and emotional detachment, the cognitive restructuring processes, but of course, other two main uh, effects are the, the reduced pain scores and uh, physical uh, tension. So this is one of the reasons why Yoga Nidra is also um, described as a systematic method to induce uh, not only mental, but also uh, physical uh, relaxation. And it is one of the strategy considered as a more comprehensive because, for example, uh, there are uh, uh, guided uh, par body parts awareness uh, that are exercises that are functional just to pain scores, for example, for reducing pain scores. I, I did think it was interesting as, like you said, it, because of its holistic nature and because of its comprehensive nature, it gets involved in a wide variety of potential applications. and. From what I'm seeing, it does look like um, the Walter Reed Hospital, the the Veterans Administration, several other like military affiliated organizations are also applying this for things like post traumatic stress, um, as well as traumatic brain injury and things like this. So just seeing the, like the wide breadth of things it's been found to be helpful for is really interesting. So um, the question is uh, why can it? this still be used with uh, so many populations? I, I guess, I mean, that was more of a statement than a question. I don't have Alex too loves much of a question there. Alex likes making statements and not asking questions. <laughs> he platforms himself. No, no, um, but I'm Italian, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, she did it. She did the hand thing. Yes. <laughs> exactly. For everyone who can't see it, she did the emoji, like the pinch. Yes. Oh, that, was, that was perfect. I, I guess to turn it into a question, then I'll ask you what which of those directions are you most curious about exploring? Is it is it yoga nidra for sleep? Is it for stress? Is it for depression? Is it for post traumatic stress? Like where would you most like to see this go? I see. I see. Of course, um, yoga nidra for sleep because uh, the effects of uh, a conscious. Uh, uh, sleep are still scant researched, 
and because sleep quality is essential for recovery stress balance in athletes, which is crucial not only for athletes' performance, but most importantly for athletes' health. So, of course, sleep quality, but a, a better sleep quality will mean and will translate also in a better emotional uh, um, and arousal management and would uh, translate uh, in a better coping with uh, stress. So there is a kind of uh, vicious cycle that can be interrupted uh, by means of uh, yoga nidra. Okay, weird question. And maybe there's not an answer to it, but we've listed off all the awesome things. Is there anything like, are there any negative side effects and i'm not thinking like obviously there's not like a risk of death well maybe i don't know but like have you seen instances where this becomes overused or there like it creates issues or anything like that so uh of course uh, there can be also uh cons of this strategy uh, because uh, as i was mentioning uh, uh, for uh, another uh, question you asked me uh, um, it can be used also uh, for by curiosity from uh, people that uh, don't know them in deep, and probably they have uh, uh, problems uh, with uh, hypersomnia. So this can be counterproductive, uh, of course. So I should have asked you this question at the very beginning, or at least earlier on. But out of curiosity, what? What did your yoga nidra journey look like? I mean, how did you, how did you get into this? What was your background leading into it? And then, you know, obviously now this has culminated in some pretty extensive research on your part. So like, what was that? What did that look like? So my journey is a bit complicated, <laughs> but uh, so um, I studied sports science and then uh, I did my PhD about uh, psychophysiology of sport and exercise. Uh, but after my PhD, um, I was not sure if I would be able to continue my career in the academia. Uh, so um, I didn't know if there would have been money uh, for my career. <laughs> so, okay, why in the beginning uh, I studied sports science? Because uh, I would have been uh, an holistic trainer uh, uh, for patients, individuals, uh, and so on. And uh, uh, I studied a lot the holistic uh, practices and uh, uh, Yoga Nidra came to me. Uh, I, dis she, I think the, the practice discovered me, not the contrary. <laughs> and uh, basically during uh, a PhD, uh, at least in Italy, you are more followed. Uh, by your supervisor uh, because probably there are uh, some research lines that needs to be um, somehow better studies uh, studied and so on and then you are more free so um, fortunately there were money to continue my career I was more independent uh, from my supervisor and uh, I started to apply uh, yoga uh, especially with athletes, because studying it, I also discovered that it can be really useful for athletes, but there is still scant research. And uh, that's basically 
my journey and I hope to continue it uh, uh, for research purposes, especially uh, because uh, so far, for example, there is just one, one case study, one opinion paper, and uh, basically the one uh, I wrote together with my colleague, and uh, we are submitting another uh, uh, study. So really, really scant research in this field. So and it will be amazing, in my opinion, to continue also to better study the cons of the strategy, not only the, the pros. What, um, I mean, maybe this kind of works us towards a close, but for, for people who now hear this and think, okay, this, like, I want to do this. Like, I want to start doing yoga nidra. This sounds really cool. What are some common that you've seen with, with beginners? What are some common maybe misunderstandings or, or how, what is the best way for somebody to start doing this? And I know this is probably a good time to plug the fact that like, you'll have a pre-recorded session that we'll be able to use, but even outside of that, like what's a good way that people can get going and what are some mis misconceptions or misunderstandings that you've seen from beginners? Sometimes people uh, think that uh, just with one session, uh, they can, uh, uh resolve everything all their problems this is uh, most common uh, misunderstanding uh, uh i'm encountering uh, because i'm teaching it uh, uh to master students uh, master sports science uh, students uh, okay for example especially with the sports science students uh, okay i will do it but just once because it is not uh, an active recovery strategy because mm -hmm. as you may understand passive recovery strategy can be harder than to implement compared to other strategy more active and with other uh, students or uh, practitioners but uh, in that case uh, i always remember that uh, it is not just a supine calming posture the yoga nidra as more than that so, and just try, try, try. On that note that you mentioned about it not being active, the the study with athletes that she's mentioned a couple of times here, they also collected like subjective feedback from the athletes and the vast majority of the feedback was extremely positive. They wanted more of it. They thought it got lots of benefits, but there were a few in there who said that they wished it was more active. It wasn't really for them. Like they, they got bored, so to speak. They wanted to like do more. So that's just like a, a warning, I guess, for those that are looking for kind of the active recovery you would experience with a, a more traditional yoga practice where you're like moving around, doing poses, things like that. But this that is so bad. stupid. Those people are so stupid <laughs> because why would you engage in something like this and be like, oh, that was it. To me, that's like going to run on a treadmill and then getting mad at your coach because like, well, oh, that wasn't back squats. It's like, well, no shit. That's not the intent. Sorry. I'm like getting upset with it. But it's like <laughs> I feel defensive of yoga nidra now because it sounds like a really cool passive recovery modality. And I think a lot of people, especially in a military setting, I'm going to use the hands, could use some of that. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> yes. I always say that uh, everyone has its yoga style. Basically, so this is the reason why uh, talking about yoga in general, I always suggest to to try um, as many as possible uh, yoga techniques 
and found the best one because it's quite normal that uh, more active people can prefer more active uh, strategy, especially to um, recover. But of course, um, with our uh, athletes, the athletes uh, we uh, contacted for our research, we had much more positive uh, feedback, probably because it's not that used as a strategy. Um, but of course, we had also some people uh, that uh, had to um, express their feelings of uh, activation, their perceived arousal uh, pre and post each yoga nidra session. And sometimes they also referred uh, boredom, for example. It is quite uh, normal. And... Uh, if it is not the case, there are so many yoga styles that it is quite impossible not to find the, the right one for everyone. Well, okay, this might be a dumb question, but this comes to mind because, and, and I don't, granted, I don't know a whole lot about the history of yoga nidra, but but why, why use the term yoga as a descriptor, if that makes sense, because I, I can understand sort of where Alex was coming from with this and that, you know, when people hear the word yoga, certain things come to mind and then to to move maybe away from that towards more of like a a practice of stillness, a practice of sort of internal work as opposed to a lot of sun salutations and things like that. Like, I guess maybe this is more of a yoga nidra background question, but why what about it puts it into a yoga category if that makes sense uh yes yes um no dumb question yes not at all, yes. Not at all. i think that uh, when we talk about yoga in general uh, we we prime something uh, in our mind uh, some uh, um ideas of peace and calmness uh, so this is the reason why it is uh, uh, at any rate uh, associated with this kind of uh, of practice but uh, studying better uh, yoga you will find that there are uh, different styles some more physical some more uh, meditative or that uh, more precisely yoga is a multi-component uh, practice which is characterized by movement mindful movement uh, breathing exercises uh, meditation exercises uh, and so on but I think that uh, the idea uh, and the ideas uh, which instill the word yoga is one of the main reasons, of course. Mm -hmm. Okay, last question for you. For all the beginners out there, where is the best place to go for resources, information, etc. about Yoga Nidra versus just opening it up to the entire internet? So, of course, uh, Yoga Nidra is uh, one of the parts that is taught by every yoga course, especially those one uh, conducted, uh, for example, uh, in India or uh, in other uh, similar uh, uh, places. But, uh, of course, there are some uh, certification which are uh, um, leaded by, uh, specifically leaded by some uh, experts of yoga in general, but for that course, especially uh, for uh, Yoga Nidra. This is uh, my information, for example, my main background, because I studied the yoga in general with a little course here in Italy, 
just because uh, I wanted to um, know it uh, really better, uh, but I have another work, so I cannot conduct uh, uh, the uh, 500 uh, uh, hours course uh, and uh, so on. So I decided to study yoga in general with a little course here in Italy, and then to uh, be more specific just with yoga nidra because uh, I thought it was very useful uh, with athletes, which is my target population. So there are uh, general courses when they need, they teach very well uh, yoga nidra also, and some specific uh, courses. You just need to check because sometimes uh, can be something related to the yoga alliance, or sometimes some association which are specific for every uh, country. Perfect. Well, I know it was challenging getting this one scheduled because again, you're all the way over in Italy. So thank you for making the time. Thank you for coming on. We mentioned that we'll have the pre-recorded uh, sort of guided practice. So if you love the Italian accent, there will be a lot more of that as we do a guided yoga nidra session. Uh, but again, thank you for taking the time. This I think this is fascinating. Thank you too, really, for this great opportunity. Hey, Alex, let's cover our ass real quick. Oh, great idea, Drew. All right, guys. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Before you go, please rate and review the pod on the listening platform of your choice. You can also visit us on our website at www.mopsinmos.com. That's mops, the letter N, mos.com. You can check out the library of podcast episodes, our latest blog entries, any helpful resources, and also sign up for our newsletter. Drew nailed it. Just to underline a couple of things, the podcast entries have in-depth show notes on the website. So if you missed anything or you want to read any of the research we talk about, it is all there. You can, at the bottom of the website, sign up with your email and receive future updates from us. The blog posts go a little bit more in depth in kind of written form on a couple of topics we get questions about all the time. But most importantly, I just want to ask all you guys, our best way the word gets out is absolutely word of mouth. So tell your friends, tell the people you work with, anybody you think would find it useful. Thanks for spreading the word. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to shoot us an email at either Drew or Alex at mopsandmos.com. Or there's a contact form on the website. Thank you.